I want to talk to you tonight um, about uh, part two of what uh, Dr. Bill Rice started on Wednesday night. Um, Brother Bill Rice did not did not have time. I talked to Bill Rice after that service at, at length, and we um, about it was a sermon he preached on Wednesday night on authority, and he uh, really had did not have time to. And there was the message created in some cases more questions than answers. So I'm here to give you the answers for some of those questions. He did not have time to develop through all of that, but simply challenged you to see God in your life by being under authority, and we should be. Uh, our society is anti-authority. What you're seeing on the Democratic Party, generally speaking, is anti-authority group of people. They, they reverence no one and nothing. They reverence, don't reverence Constitution. They don't reverence our forefathers, a history that we've inherited. And they just, they want to do things that have never been done before, like transgender. Uh, when the Supreme Court made their decision five to four to protect, uh, I think, homosexuals or homosexual marriage, I don't remember what it was about now, but anyway, the uh, um, it was historical. They, I think they recognized homosexual marriages. Uh, never in history has that been recognized as legitimate. Marriage has always been between a man and a woman, or you don't have children. And if we took all the homosexuals and put them on Manhattan Island, which I'm for that, and put a wall around it, I think they made a movie about that, but uh, called New York, but... Uh, they would die out in a matter of a number of uh, years. There would be nobody left because they cannot reproduce. It is as anti-God as you can get. Um, it's just, I, I, would like to, I would like to be kinder than that, but if I was, I wouldn't be biblical. God calls it an abomination. That's something extremely repulsive. And so as Christians, we are kind. We are, I want homosexuals to be saved. I have a cousin that was a raving homosexual for 30 years. He got saved, and he has stepped away from it and denounced it publicly in church. He goes to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and he has denounced it publicly as wicked. And he's one of the very few. In fact, he may be the only one I've ever known to come out of it. It, is, it gets a death grip on those that go into it. But by the grace of mercy of Jesus, the boy has come out of it and has denounced it. But you would have to denounce it uh, as you need to denounce any sin in your life. But how do you react to authority? I saw bumper stickers way back into the 70s that said, question authority. How many ever saw that bumper sticker? Yeah. Did you just not tell me how effective bumper stickers are by the raising of all those hands? Do you see how many hands went up? Bumper stickers are effective. You know, there's people in this church who won't put a bumper sticker in their car. Got quiet, didn't it? For the sake of souls, I'm willing to sacrifice my car. How about you? I'm challenging. I'm challenging you that are, you know, I don't like putting anything in my car. It doesn't make any difference what you like. People are dying and going to hell. Let's put something on your car. If you don't want to do it, I'll do it for you. 
Because we want to see some people here before they die, don't you? I hope so. Peter and the apostles, fresh off the resurrection, were preaching and teaching in Jerusalem in Jesus' name. Now, get the, we'll get to setting here. To say the least, it was tense. That would be an understatement for what was going on. Rome was in power. The Jews were servants to the Romans, the heathen Romans. Here are the Jews who worshiped Jehovah God and had such a, 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 a wonderful history with, with David and Solomon being one of the greatest powers in the world, having a magnificent temple, the God of all creation being their God. Of course, they sinned against him, wouldn't repent. Finally, God took him out. And what he will do and what he has done in the past is he put those who hated them over him as their rulers, Romans. The Romans were not nice people. There was no more uh, vicious group of people uh, to be ruled by uh, than maybe the Romans. They, they knew how to keep people in order. Uh, every, every day was an insult to injury, having the Romans ruling over them. Jesus had just been crucified by the Sanhedrin, and then they couldn't kill anybody. They had to go to Pilate, and he eventually complied with them and allowed this Jesus to be crucified. Now, Jesus was uh, massively popular. Uh, you read all through the Gospels. I mean, I mean, feeding of 15,000, you know, 5,000 men, 4,000 men. I mean, he had people following him all over the place. Why? Well, he, he healed whole villages. He would go into a village, and everybody that had a demon, everybody that was sick could be healed. Now, you tell me they wouldn't be popular. He was popular. But he got crucified by the authorities after three years of ministry. And hope for those who followed Jesus was at an all-time low until the resurrection. Woo! This, this, the apostles got to see Jesus and talk to him 40 days or so. And uh, got the fellowship with him, got to see him go up. I mean, they were, they were excited. Peter, uh, John, James, and the rest of them were preaching in the uh, synagogue, uh, more vocal than ever before, more emboldened. Of course, you know, the Holy Spirit gave them this holy boldness, claiming that Jesus had been resurrected from the dead and that they had seen him personally. The testimonies uh, about who saw Jesus personally after the resurrection were not a few. As I mentioned this morning, 1 Corinthians 15 says over 500 people one time saw the resurrected Lord. And so they claimed the resurrection. The disciples, the apostles claimed the resurrection. And, the San, and they also claimed that Sanhedrin and the leaders had crucified the very Christ that they had been looking forward to all these years, all the way from Moses in 1446 B.C., who said there would be one after him, Deuteronomy 18, was a, was a mention of the Christ that was to come. All the way from there to the crucifixion of Jesus. You've crucified the Christ that was to come. Well, let's take a, well, to pick up Acts chapter 5, if you take your Bible, if you want to, Acts chapter 5, verse 27, 29. When they had brought them, they set them before the consul, Peter and John, I believe it was, and high priest asked them, 
Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and this is the key, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. They, they very, Peter's sermon very specifically stated that they crucified the Christ. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. This was the second time, however, Peter in chapter 5, it was the second time Peter had told them this. Peter and John had been brought before them under arrest before. They were commanded by the Sanhedrin, by the way, which was their governmental authority, to stop preaching in Jesus' name. They disobeyed the direct order of their government and authority. Acts chapter 4, verse 18 to 19, and they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God, to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. That's kind of a uh, one of those questions that kind of better get them riled up a little bit. So twice the, the apostles defied God's placed governmental authority over them. Now let me say this, because they did that, they took a vicious beating. They took a vicious beating. Acts chapter 5, verse 40, 42 says, To him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them. Now when adults beat adults, when a government beats adults, it was not no patty cake, patty cake, baker's man, like we see in our school sometimes. And they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed in the presence of the consul, rejoicing that they were kind of worthy to suffer shame. Wow. For his name. And daily in the temple and in every house they ceased what? They ceased not to teach and preach in Jesus Christ. Now they had been told not to speak in Jesus' name and not to preach in Jesus' name, not to teach in Jesus' name. Twice they, they defied it. They took a beating for it. And even after the beating, they still were defying the direct orders of their governmental authority, the Sanhedrin. So they had open disobedience to their authority even after the beating. So what gave them permission to disobey their God-given authority? I think they would have agreed that Sanhedrin was their God-given authority. <clears throat> what gave them permission to do that? The answer is their God-given authority overstepped its authority. An authority can overstep its authority, and go further than they have authority. Peter called them out on it. He understood how authority worked. He also understood they did not bear the sword in vain, as Romans chapter 13 talks about. He took his beat and rejoiced and was, was worthy to take it. Authority and authorities can violate their given parameters. They can go beyond their parameters. Our government has God-given authority given to it by God, and You'll not see a more under-authority group of people than a bunch of Christians. We are under, generally speaking, Bible-believing Christians are under-authority people. And we should be under-authority people, and we should be known for being under-authority. But I'm going to give you a heads up. Had the election been a little different, you may have been brought to the same kind of decision-making that Peter and John were brought to. 
Uh, I went to Israel when it was illegal to proselyte in Israel, illegal to proselyte. I witnessed just the same. Why? Because God said, go in the world and preach the gospel to every creature, period. Whose authority is the greatest? Israel, the government I was under at that moment, or God's? Now, was I willing to take the punishment that they were willing to mete out if they, I got caught? Sure, I was. Sure, I was. If I'd gone to jail, I'd have gone to jail. If I'd have got thrown out of the country, I'd have got thrown out of the country. But I was going to obey God no matter what. And they didn't seem really to mind that much that we Christians, they think we're a little crazy anyway. In Romans chapter 13, I'm not quote the whole seven verses there, but it says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, plural, because there's a, there's a few powers that we're under, few authorities. For there is no power but of God. He's the originary of it all. The powers that are, be are ordained of God, he put them there. Power and authority is for normally, normally. And by the way, we want to talk about the rule, not the exception, right? The rule is authority is good. Authority makes for peace. Authority makes for protection. Authority has been placed there to help us. That is the rule of thumb. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resist the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive themselves damnation or judgment. And Peter, by the way, uh, he got that. So did John. They got a little bit of that. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. That is generally, uh, most 99% of the time, Without then not be afraid of the power, do that which is good, and thou should have praise of the same. For he is a minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. Evil in this case would be something they considered wrong, but maybe you're under command by God to do. Uh, uh, for he beareth not the sword in vain, and get ready to get whipped. For he is a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, we must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but for conscience sake. So, a group of Christians should be one of the most compliant, under authority group of people there are. But there are times, very, very rare, sometimes not even in our lifetime would it happen, that you would be forced to choose which authority you're going to obey. And unless the authority clearly and I'm, when I, this is the part that is probably a little sticky about it all. Uh, when the, the authority must clearly violate God's authority, unless they violate, unless, if they don't violate God's authority, we're to obey them. Now, that doesn't mean what you like or what your opinion is or anything. It's, it's what the Bible says. Something you can concrete look at and say, what they're asking me to do is absolutely, if I ask 100 Christians that knew the Bible, is what they're asking me to do is this against the Bible. Those 100 Christians, maybe 98 out of the 100 would say it's, it's against the Bible. Here, we're not talking about iffy stuff. We're not talking about preference stuff. We're talking about conviction stuff, real stuff. Um, but I also, you've got to understand you're going to suffer for it because the authority is not going to take it lightly. First Peter, and that's why First Peter 4.19 is written, wherefore let every... Let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Who most of the time causes Christians to suffer? Authorities. Authorities that they're under. Uh, for under in Philippians 1.29 it says, For unto you it is given on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. God says, I'm not going to, you do what I tell you to do, because I'm your ultimate authority. 
If that authority violates their authority, you still have to answer to me. You do what I tell you to do. But I'm not going to save you, generally speaking, from the punishment that they're going to render. Persecution throughout history has usually been from government and from church. One of the tiers of authority is church authority, government authority. Most of the pilgrims that came over here were suffering from not only church authority, uh, punishment, but they were suffering from uh, government authority. So they were suffering from government and church. The Church of England was confiscating their property, uh, torturing them, putting them on the rack, uh, etc. And so they decided, we can't live in this environment anymore, and we're going to go someplace else. And by the grace of God, you know, Columbus, 1492, sailed the ocean blue. He found a place they could come, but it was hostile. It's hostile here. Many of them died and didn't even make it. And they serve, they serve the same God we serve. And we're no better than they are, for sure. So suffering comes from usually, and many times, higher powers, authorities over you. By the way, wives, it could be your husband. It, uh, it could be your employer. It could be religion. It could be government. It even could be your parents. Some authority that has the permission and power to discipline and disobedience, no doubt. They have penalties that they use of pain, of property confiscation, of wealth confiscation, possibly a public shame. They used to put people in stocks in the public fairway, you know, the area of the public where people went by. They put them in stocks and let them sit there in those stocks for days. Now imagine that. You can't go to the bathroom. You just got to you got a good imagination, right? Would that be humiliating or what? The animals coming around you, the flies. You do that mosquito, you don't want any blood left. If you put somebody in stocks out here in, in, in Florida at, at night, there's been some people, you remember some people got lost in the Everglades a while back? And that one kid was there three days in the Everglades. In the Everglades, they don't spray for mosquitoes. And his biggest problem was, he had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of mosquito bites all over him. He got in. Now, let's think about this. He has no light. He's in the Everglades. To get away from the mosquitoes, he gets in the water because he's got to get away from the mosquitoes, right? Now, what's in the water? Right. Well, you, you got that, right? As a pastor, I have heard in my counseling time with some folks, I've had women come in and, and, um, uh, tell me that their husbands, one of them to participate in a pornographic environment, uh, movies, etc., sell it on the Internet. Uh, what, what advice would you give her? Go ahead. Obey him. I believe at that point, his, her, his power, his husband, he's violated his power and authority. And... I, get, I have been, for all these years, given the same advice that I've heard so many others give, is that you better just obey God rather than man in that case. I believe the woman in that case answers to a higher power, and that God forbids this kind of lasciviousness. That would be considered lasciviousness. A condemned in the Bible says, in fact, they that practice those things will not have any part in the kingdom of God. What if our government forbids us speaking to anyone in Jesus' name? or talking to anyone about the gospel, proselyting. We're no longer allowed to proselyte. 
I believe we as Christians answer the government in humility and in fear and trembling, but confidently. And we would love to obey. We'd like to, here's what we could say. We'd love to obey you, but we must obey God rather than man. The same answer basically Peter and John gave their government. Now they will kill us. They will beat us. They will confiscate our stuff, but we will still preach that Jesus saves and that they can be saved and proclaim Jesus everywhere. Isn't this what really John Bunyan suffered about? Well, what did John Bunyan, the writers of Pilgrim's Progress, I mean, you, know, you know, not Paul Bunyan now. John Bunyan, you know John Bunyan? How many is read? Let me ask you a survey here. Pilgrim's Progress. Well, you that, oh, but you that haven't read Pilgrim's Progress, you got to get it out of the library and read it. Please do it. John Bunyan spent 12 years in Bedford Prison, filthy, nasty, slimy, rat-infested Bedford Prison, which your life would be um, 12 years. Why, I believe he had a blind daughter um, and, and a wife that about starved to death while he was in there. They were, they were dirty. They would, they would have the wife or the daughter come to him and beg him, Daddy, 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 you know, just take a license. If you take a license, there was, that is, what, what, what John Bunyan believed was that, that nobody gave him authority to preach but God. God was the one that called him to preach. Consequently, he answered to God about preaching, what to preach, right? I mean, what to preach and where to preach. And so the government said, no, that's our authority. You don't get to do that. So they threw him in prison for 12 years. Now, now John could have got bitter about that. He didn't get bitter. He wrote a book. That book ended up being a bigger ministry for him than anything he ever preached. Isn't it amazing where God puts you <laughs> to do his will? Ooh, what a school that was. And it was just about taking a license to preach because it was a matter of authority. He says, I answer to God on preaching and what to preach and where to preach. You cannot restrict me. He said, the moment you let me out of this prison, I will be out preaching the gospel in the public square. That is where our roots come from, brother. It's that kind of spirit of obedience that Peter had, that John had, that all of those early apostles and disciples that suffered for Jesus that eventually were stoned, uh, uh, in some cases sawn asunder, driven, uh, whom the Bible says the world was not worthy. These early people, who was doing all that? It was their governmental authorities or their religious authorities that were doing that to them. The illustration I'm giving to you is nameless, and these people are not here anymore, have not been here. There was a young girl whose real physical father wanted to have, I'm trying to, I'm careful what I'm saying as much as I know to say it, wanted to have uh, immoral relationships with her. My advice to her was adamantly tell your father no. But he, he was trying to use his authority as dad over her to have her comply. I said, do just tell him no. 
Then the next phone call is to the police, the higher authority. And then the next phone calls to, well, it should be maybe in this order, to your mother, to the church that he was a member of, to the police, and whatever happens, do not allow him to molest you. And if anybody in the sound of my voice, if, and I say this because this goes over the internet all over the place, if, if a father, an uncle, a, bro, a, a brother, uh, you, if anybody comes to you and tries to convince you because somehow of their authority that you're supposed to comply to something that's an abomination to God, you tell them no. Take your whipping. You may have to take a whipping. But don't do it. God has made authority, like I said, 99.9. 9. 99.9% of the time, authority is a wonderful thing. It's to protect us, to give us order, security, and peace. But I'm going to tell you, I'm tired of hearing young of women coming to me at 30 years old and telling me that their fathers or their grandfathers or their of relatives of sexually abuse them. That should not even be mentioned once among us. You thought Bill Rice was the only one that did that. I want you to get that. I like I watch mannerisms. I mean. Shouldn't be even those things shouldn't be mentioned among us. God forbid, don't give in to it. Don't do it. Oh, but I'm your dad, or I'm your uncle, or I'm this. That's fine. But you may have to take a beating. You may get lied about. But God will take care of you. Overall, He'll take care of you. By the way, 99% of the time, when authority asks you to do something, it's the right thing to do. It's what God wants you to do, and you don't have to agree with it. <laughs> Let me say this. If that wild-eyed, big-eyed girl, the big-eyed girl, Cortez is her name? The big-eyed girl, the crazy girl? The Democrat from New York? She wants to tax us 90%. 90%. You hear what I'm talking about? 90%. She wants to redistribute wealth to those I love this statement, those unwilling to work. We used to call them lazy. Not unable to work now. That's unwilling to work. I just don't feel like working today. Well, man, that was about every Monday morning. Now, if that old big-eyed girl gets elected president of the United States, God forbid. I wonder, horrify you. But if that old big-eyed girl somehow got elected president of the United States uh, 12 years from now, when I'm in heaven, please, please. <laughs> uh, and she says, you're going to pay me 90%. You got to pay it. That's what the Bible says. Pay it. God didn't say, He just said, render, you know, tribute to Him, tribute is due. He didn't set a limit to it. Now, I will say, you can move. There ain't nothing wrong with you, what the pilgrims did, brother. 
grab your junk and go somewhere. But I don't know where you're going to go. I think they've discovered all the land that's out there. But <clears throat> you can move. But we can't rebel against the government just because we don't like what they do. Because God said they're our authority. And unless it violates his direct commands, we must obey the authority of government, the authority of the local church, the authority of the marriage, the authority of a parent, the authority of an employer. And I'm not sure that's the right order. I know the first one was. But don't violate your authority unless it is very, very clear that God said to do it. And then if it, if it comes to that, Acts 5.29 we ought to obey God rather than man. I seriously, and if I may say this before I end here, we, at this last election, I believed, and many people of God, men of God, that I talked to believed that this was a turning point in our history, this last election. That if we lost, persecution was going to come upon those who believe the Bible. Why? We believe homosexuality is an abomination. They think that's a hate crime. We don't allow homosexuals to be part of gospel Baptists because they're, they're in open, known sin, just like we wouldn't allow somebody living in adultery to be part of gospel Baptists, right? I mean, we, would, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't allow somebody that was a, it was a drunkenness, have drunkenness as their sin, be a part of gospel Baptists unless they repented of those things, right? And if they repented of them, they can be members of gospel Baptists. How do I know? You're here. as some of you were, right? We're all here. But I know that uh, by God's grace, it didn't happen. And I believe we've been given this little window of opportunity. And I hope you are praying that this window stays open. I don't want persecution. What about you? I don't want to go to jail. I've been to jail a lot of times. How about you, Mr. Ludwig? I don't want to go there on the other side of the guard. It's not a nice place. But I can tell you this, if it becomes a difference between obeying God or obeying men, you better obey God. And all I can say is I'd be out there, I'd be putting bumper stickers on my car. I'm back to that. You know, as I came back to that. I don't care what you say, preacher. I ain't putting a bumper sticker on my car. Well, 100 years from now, you'll wish you did. I just feel better about saying that. I just don't know what it is about it. I just want to see people saved, folks. I just want to see people hear about it before they die. Father, help us tonight. I pray that we'd be able to understand the order of authority. I pray that... Uh, God forbid that would feed any kind of a, or the, the rebel in us. All of us have a rebel in us. And that rebel, there's no place for that rebel in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, but we, we comply, Father, as we want to comply and be part of the authority because it's been there for our protection. It's there for our help. But, Father, we pray if anybody in this room, the sound of my voice over the Internet, comes under an authority that tells them to do some wickedness, may we have the gumption, may we have the backbone, to say no and take our whipping. And then 
As Peter said, we suffer for righteousness' sake, and we're happy about it. Father, maybe some in this room tonight that never trusted Christ as personal Savior. Some of what I spoke about tonight was foreign because it was mostly for Christians. But you're here tonight, the Holy Spirit's been working on your heart, and you know that if you died right now, you'd no shape to face God. You're no shape. The Bible says, Jesus said, be thou perfect, even as our, your Father in heaven is perfect. That's the only way you're going to make it to heaven to be perfect. And you know you ain't never going to be perfect. You can't undo what you did. And none of us could. The Bible said we've all sinned come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. The wage of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Have you trusted Christ? We'd love to be able to show you more about that. Maybe as a Christian, some other area in the life tonight, God's touched. You'd like to do business with God tonight? Help us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and sing two verses, just as I am. Do business with God. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.